Welcome back to another episode of Melanin Matters. I'm Kia. And I'm Indira. And you can follow us at underscore Melanin Matters. I am not an American. I'm one of the 22 million black people who are the victims of Americanism. One of the 22 million black people who are the victims of democracy, nothing but disguised hypocrisy. So I'm not standing here speaking to you as an American or a patriot or a flag saluter or a flag waver. No, not I. I'm speaking as a victim of this American system and I see America through the eyes of the victim. I don't see any American dream. I see an American nightmare. Tatiana Jefferson, Christopher Whitfield, Christopher McCorvey, Eric Reason, Michael Lorenzo Dean, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. On today's episode of Melanin Matters, we're going to be talking about the race relations and the racial divide in our country. As we all know, we've been witnessing protests all across this country over the past few days as a result of the senseless and constant and repetitive killing of black people in our country. And no, I won't just say black men because it's not just black men. It's black men, black women, black children, black elderly, black people in general are being murdered senselessly by people who are put in positions of power to protect and serve us. So we're gonna have a serious conversation about that today. Racism. What is racism? Well, according to David Wellman in his book, Portraits of White Racism, racism is a system of advantage based on race. Now, most people like to think of racism as prejudice alone, and it would be almost irresponsible for us to limit the term to just prejudice alone because it doesn't explain the persistence of racism, nor does it explain the systemic cultural messages and institutional practices and policies put in place. So when I hear a white person say, I'm not racist, I know that they mean that they're not overtly racist. They may not say nigger. They may not even dislike black people, but that does not impress me because it's not enough. It's not enough to just not be racist. You have to actively be anti-racist acknowledge your privilege, and use your privilege to dismantle the entire system. So what exactly is white privilege, you ask? (laughs) Well, you have access to better housing, better schools, better jobs. You can walk in a store and not be followed. You can always find appropriate hair care and makeup products in your local drugstores. You can have a difference of opinion without being called argumentative or aggressive. You don't have to worry about having the cops called on you for just simply being, but you can assault, harass, and argue with the cops without being killed. You have the actual right to a fair trial. The media doesn't defame your character. They show nice pictures of you nice family pictures in the media and news segments. 
you're afforded the luxury to argue mental illness in criminal cases. They drag our childhood and family life through the mud, and instead of mental illness, we're just thugs from bad homes and the ghettos that the government created for us. To lock us in like animals, feed us drugs and weapons, then block out our resources to shit like quality education, community centers, parks. Schools in minority neighborhoods were, and still to this day, are underfunded, which leads to high teacher turnover, inadequate facilities, and fewer classroom resources. Historically, housing patterns have been shaped by race based on policies which can't be overlooked. Practices such as redlining, racial steering by real estate agents, and other discriminatory practices by mortgage lenders, as well as the use of physical threats and violence by many white homeowner associations to keep people of color out of their neighborhoods. The National Association of Real Estate Boards adopted a code of provisions that made it illegal for brokers to sell across racial lines, and they prevented white homeowners from selling to black families. The FHA, which is the Federal Housing Authority, only provided housing loans for the homes in white neighborhoods. Private lenders also adopted these same practices, making it damn near impossible for black families to obtain loans. So we were being forced into these neighborhoods and essentially become stuck there due to the lack of loan capital flowing into our areas. Homes weren't selling, so property values decreased and black neighborhoods fell into patterns of disrepair, deterioration, vacancy, and abandonment. The effects of these policies are important in understanding why black families were unable to build generational wealth through home equity. Our people don't own property because it was damn near impossible for us to do so. Affluent communities have higher rates of voting, more political influence, lower rates of crime and delinquency, greater involvement with cultural and educational institutions, and healthier lifestyles. And all of this just shows me that residential segregation continues to be the most important tool in this country's system of racism. I've heard white people say shit like, if black people would just work harder, or I worked hard to get here and anyone can do it. These are the people that believed in a just society where you work for what you get. But with the institution of racism, it makes that impossible. We never started at the same level, and black people are still leaps and bounds behind our white counterparts. There's no way that justice and fairness could ever live simultaneously with racism, which is why the system of racism has to be destroyed. And I've been seeing a lot of criticisms about the protests and people saying that riots have no place in this country when people have been rioting in this country for years. Many legislations have gone into effect because of rioting. Just look at the 60s alone. The Watts riots of 65, Division Street riots in 66, Newark riots of 67, Detroit riots of 67. There were over 100 riots in this country in the summer of 1967. President Lyndon B. Johnson appointed the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders, also known as the Kerner Commission, in July of 67. The commission was appointed to investigate the race riots that had been happening in major cities across the U.S., and he tasked the commission with answering three questions about the riots. What happened? Why did it happen? And what can be done to prevent it from happening over and over again? 
The commission delivered its report in February of 1968. They found that the riots were a protest against poverty and hopelessness of life in the inner cities based on challenges with joblessness and a lack of basic resources. The commission called for new jobs, better houses, and minority neighborhoods, and they also highlighted the need for more diverse and sensitive police. President Johnson ignored the commission's recommendations, and the racial divide in this country continued to grow. One month after the commission gave its report, Martin Luther King was assassinated, which incited the riots of 1968. The D.C. riots of 1968 led to the Fair Housing Act of 1968, which prohibited discrimination concerning the sale, rental, and financing of housing based on religion, race, and national origin. So don't sit up here and tell me that riots have no place in this country. People are angry. This is an outpouring of rage and hurt from decades of having our communities raped, pillaged, destroyed, having our people murdered and disregarded in this country. Our people have no power, no outlet. Our community has cried out for years. We have been asking for respect and equality for decades, and our voices go unheard. Our people are hopeless. There's only so much you can accept before you tear down the infrastructure of power that's denying you your access to basic rights. That's what you're seeing. People are tired. We're tired of asking. And it's ridiculous that we have to continuously have these discussions on race because the shit is not even real. Biologically, the concept of race holds no validity. If you look at the DNA, there's only about 1% of difference in all of us. So for centuries, white people have shown no sense of morality toward our people purely on the strength of hate and jealousy. And for the sake of keeping their race at the top of the totem pole. People can understand the outrage when it comes to everything from xenophobia to homophobia to sexism. But when it comes to racism, it's all good. We need to get over it. We need to let it go. Slavery happened centuries ago. And there's that attitude in this country because the institution of racism keeps a lot of people paid. I may not be overtly racism, but I'm also not going to be a vessel for change because I benefit from the system. Life is easy for me with this system. So when you have the people in power with that attitude, then you get resistance from the minorities because we're tired of asking. Don't demand peace if you aren't willing to serve justice and give our people the basic human dignity that we deserve. Our justice system needs a restructure. Our economic system needs to be revisited. We're a capitalist nation, and so long as we are, there will always be a rich and poor class. It may not be our people, but there will always have to be a class of people that will be oppressed in order for capitalism to work. Because it works on the basis of a small group of individual private people and private corporations who own the production of, the distribution of, and the exchange of wealth in this country. So when I think about that, it just makes me think, is voting pointless? What are we actually voting for? 
if there's only a small percentage of people who own the factors of production in the way that we are sustained as a nation. So long as you have the chosen few, the people's best interests will never be most important. And I know our ancestors fought long and hard for us to have the right to vote. So I'm not sitting here telling anyone not to vote. What I'm saying is understanding the effects of that vote and how much power it actually holds. Understanding practices like redistricting and why it's important and how it can shape our community's ability to elect representatives of our choice. Really understanding your state ballots, researching your state candidates. Gerrymandering is real, and if they have the opportunity, Republicans will box in large urban areas into one district, essentially negating those votes. No matter how many people vote, the electoral vote is all that matters. So for instance, if District A has one electoral vote, but 1,000 people, and District B has two electoral votes, but only 500 people, District B still wins those votes. So for all of you wondering how candidates could win the popular vote, but not win the electoral vote and essentially win the election, this is how it's done. So, I don't know. Friend, what do you think? Um... At this time, my thoughts are, like, all over the place. My heart is heavy for all of my sisters and brothers that have lost their lives for no reason. Why does it take one more person, one more human being, one more black man, black woman, black child to be murdered for you to understand what our country has spoken so loudly about that I mean nothing to them, that we mean nothing to them. And moving forward, when I'm saying you, I mean white people. Like, let's be clear. Any other person that believes that my life is less worthy than their own, I'm speaking to you as well. The amount of anger and rage and disappointment and remorse and sadness all happening at once on my spirit, Lord knows that this shit is complex. I'm vexed at the situation to still be sitting here talking about why my blackness scares you. Why do I not matter? Why do I have to keep screaming black lives matter? And I'm really... I'm thankful for Kia speaking so elegantly and invoking the emotion for you to identify that this shit is fucking wrong. Being black in America is a topic that can be addressed from so many different directions. And to be clear, every black person's story doesn't start at slavery, which our educational system loves to continue to perpetuate to us. But... For you to understand why we are standing here now, we must address slavery. And no, we as black people will never stop talking about slavery. This is the backing in which you stand on to justify why you do what you do. 
It will always be about slavery. You ask why we speak on it, it's because it is the root. Something that I would like to read just a brief passage from is the Willie Lynch letter, The Making of a Slave. It was delivered in 1712 at the James River. There has been arguments stated that the document is fabricated due to the fact of the language that is found in the letter and how that correlates to the time it doesn't align. Um, so I wanted to point out that argument because I know that me and Kia have very similar views. Um, so we don't have that devil's advocate um, to have a debate with or I guess an argument with. But I would just like to say to those people that, that the message in the letter is still a reflection of the actual mindset of slavery and can be used to better understand the history of black people in America. But it reads, in my bag here, I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. My method is simple and any member of your family or overseer can use it. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves. And I take these differences and I make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. Distrust is stronger than trust. And envy is stronger than adulation, respect, or admiration. The black slave, after receiving this indoctrination, shall carry on and will become self-refueling and self-generating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Don't forget, you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male, and the young black male versus the old black male. You must use the dark-skinned slave versus the light-skinned slave, and the light-skinned slave versus the dark-skinned slave. You must use the female versus the male, and the male versus the female. You must also have white servants and overseers who distrust all blacks. But it is necessary that your slaves trust and depend on us. They must love, respect, and trust only us. Gentlemen, these kits are the keys to control. Use them. Have your wives and children use them. Never miss an opportunity. If use Intensely for one year, the slaves themselves will remain perpetually distrustful. Thank you, gentlemen. The letter goes into more depth, but I just read um, a portion of it to understand the overview of the document. And I'll be talking more in reference to the document through this podcast. But just to see in our community these differences come up in conversation amongst each other often. And the thing that stood out the most to me is the fact that the slave must trust and depend on us. We have been depending on you to understand our plight. We have been depending on you to understand that we deserve equality economically, socially, and politically. We have been depending on you 
to hold murderers accountable time and time again. And there is a laundry list of other things that we have been depending on you for. But now we are waking up and standing and depending on ourselves to make those changes. So I will protest, march, riot, and fucking loot for you to hear my voice. And if others stand with me, other races stand with me, including white people, I appreciate it. This is my land and I will burn that shit to the ground if I fucking choose to. Because we built this shit for free. And time and time again, you try to erase the history and the fact of the matter that my ancestors did this shit for free. So when we have protesters rioting and looting, no, I'm not mad at them. Because I understand where that anger is coming from. I understand the ancestor that's speaking through them. This is my shit. And I can care less about y'all saying Black Lives Matter, but I don't think rioting is the way. Shut the fuck up. I'm tired of that. I don't care. We are tired of you not caring about us. Not thinking that I'm important. Not thinking that my community is important. We are fucking important. And we're saying that shit loud. And if that means you can only hear me if I tear down a fucking target, oh well. It's only important to them when it's not their battle to fight. Because when they want to protest and riot for stupid shit, it's okay. Like they riot when their sports teams win championships. Like I said earlier, they were rioting because the cities weren't opening the hair salons and the restaurants. Y'all riot for anything. The Stonewall riots. Are we forgetting the Stonewall riots? When we're talking about gay rights. And that wasn't just about Black people. That was about gay people. Black, white, pink, purple, man, woman. So don't sit in my face and tell me that riots have no place in this country when this country is known for rioting. This country was built on violence. This country was founded on the fact that it stole land from Native Native Americans, raped their women, pillaged their fucking villages, stole their land, literally killed these people and took their land from them and you want to tell me that because our people decide to burn down a few corporations or take some shit from a country that we created and got nothing in return for that it's not okay no that's not that's not right you don't get to tell somebody how they can grieve or how they can mourn or how they feel pain. You don't get to do that. You don't get to inflict years of fucking hurt and sadness on a race of people and expect for it to be okay. I screenshot this. um, I posted this on Instagram too, but this is 
very much. So this girl tweeted, her name is Ebony Davis, Ebony Davis on Twitter. And it says, the thing about it is burning these businesses down and rioting is an act of love. It is an evolutionary catalyst. It is a means of growth, change, and self-preservation. Love doesn't always look like candles and bubble baths. Love is a raging fire that burns away anything untrue. This is a supernatural rage that doesn't just belong to me or you or a few generation of Black people. This is a planetary rage, a cosmic rage. The rage of an entire universe that has been raped, pillaged, and disregarded under, under the regime of whiteness. And I think that that's exactly the truth. People are tired. People are disheartened. People feel hopeless. And all of this because of something as trivial as race that has no real meaning. And um, I want to go back to when Indira was talking about how white people ask us why we always reference slavery. And I want to say it's because the effects of race in this country stem from slavery. Up until about the 17th century, race wasn't classified to the extent to which we know it now. It was basically a classification based on where you were from. So the white people were known as European, the black people were known as Africans, the Native Americans were known as Indians, and so forth and so on. And so the European settlers, they brought over indentured servants. And after you served your stint in servitude, you were allowed your freedom. So even men of African descent were allowed to engage in the same activities as European men as far as owning land and having servants. However, this came to an end in 1676 when Nathaniel Bacon created a rebel militia of European and African indentured servants in order to overthrow Governor William Berkeley in Jamestown. And this became known as Bacon's Rebellion. And after the rebellion was over, the wealthy whites were afraid that the poor whites and the blacks would get together again and create more uprising. And this is how, this is when the classification of race as we know it was created to keep one race superior to the other. And this was able to be done in the way that it was because at the time there were more Europeans than there were um, Africans. And this is when they started using the terms white and black to label the different groups in public documents as well as private documents. And the reason why they chose Africans to enslave was because we had the knowledge and skills in tropical cultivation. So we were able to grow corn. We knew how to grow tobacco, sugarcane, cotton. We also had knowledge and skills in metalwork, carpentry, cattle keeping, brick making and laying, and so much more. Most importantly, though, we were a civilized nation. So we were disciplined, which made it easier for them to control us we weren't savages but as they further created division between the Europeans and the Africans they had no choice but the, but to turn the Africans into savages 
historically, whenever white people weren't able to get their way, they basically used defamation of character on different racial groups to to sway the entire white community to basically hate that group of people. We saw it with the European settlers when they came over here and started calling the Native Americans savages because they wouldn't give in to them taking over their land. And then we saw it again with Black and whites when they call Black people savages for whatever, just for being Black. Mm. Well, I don't know, like, you speaking on that just kind of sparked something else in my mind. It's like funny that you can see in our capitalistic society today that any benefits the government quote unquote gifts is not based off the fact of black people are hurting, but instead that white people are. We wouldn't have food stamps, welfare, unemployment benefits, etc. if the majority wasn't white. White, exactly. And that connects to your point saying that they thought poor whites and African indentured servants would come together because they have a common interest and can relate and overthrow the minority of rich whites. So white people decided to make programs to help poor white people become one step higher than blacks. So now race is more powerful than economic status. This country has shown time and time again that they rather see us dead than to help. Exactly. So why would you believe the narrative? Even in present day, this occurs when you hear Donald Trump talking about cutting taxes for the rich and private companies and fucking deep South ass farmers voting for him. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, sweetie. You cannot relate to that statement because he is not speaking to you. You are going against your better interests just because he is white and you are white. So don't sit here and tell me you don't understand white privilege and racism doesn't exist. You know your white privilege holds more power than your economic status, your education, etc. Because you can get by just being white. And that shit is baffling to me. That you can continuously still see that shit playing out from fucking slavery till now. I mean, because they use race as social status and the basis of human identity. And the reason that they are able to do this is through propaganda, the falsification of fucking history... And the fucking delusional misinterpretation of their race's achievements and contributions to this society. The people are deluded. Something is wrong with them. They are really crazy. So they have now, they have now successfully set themselves up to be the chosen race through different systemic practices and institutions so it's really sickening to me that you have 
a class of people who are okay with being ignorant and believing that Black people are the cause for the racial divide in this country. They place all of the blame and all of the need for change onto our race. Like their people had no hand in what happened in this country and how we have the issues that we have today. White people stop coming to Black people and expecting yet again for us to do the work for you. If you really want to make a difference, if you really want to be in the know, if you really want to use your privilege, use your privilege to really shake some shit up, use your fucking fingers, get on the internet, and use Google. It is very easy to get so much information at your fingertips in seconds. Put in the work. Do the fucking work. If you really care or you really want to make a difference or you really want to be an ally, show that shit and do the fucking work. Stop asking questions of us. We're not here to answer to you. It's not our place to show you what the fuck you did for years. It's not our place. We had to go relearn that shit for ourselves because when we were in school learning about history, the history of this country, our history was taken out. Our history was falsified. Our history was lied about. So we learned what y'all had to say. Now it's time for you to take that shit, turn it around, and go learn some shit about us for yourself. Period. (laughs) Period. Yes, like, go out here and do some work. I promise you the shit will hit differently if you learn it for yes. yourself, it will stick. And just like you go and learn Asian culture, Jewish, Irish, and now Native Americans, mm-hmm. because how many are left after you try to eliminate those people in other cultures, and you can now point out the wrongdoing Take that same energy and that same time and point out the wrongdoing that your ancestors has done to blacks. Stop acting like you can't grasp the concept. The scariest thought is that it will take us to be on the brink of extinction For you to understand and willingness to learn about your privilege in America. Like the only time y'all want to save somebody or save something. Animals. (laughs) Yeah, like animals. Is when they're fucking extinct. Right. Now you want to talk about saving the environment and saving the animals and doing this and doing that. But when we, you were fucking up the environment for decades, it didn't matter. So you're right. That's the same shit. It's the same shit. And it again shows that we are looked at as fucking animals. Yeah, but when Kia first came to me about this 
about us talking about the current situation that is happening, she posed a question to me. And it was, why does my blackness scare you? And I took the time to sit there and think about that question. And then after that, I went to Google and did some research. Side note, look at me. When a question is asked or given to me on an idea I do not understand, I, E, why does my blackness scare you? I did something that I learned in school. I researched it. Via the fucking internet. Right. But I digress. When I was researching that question, I actually came across a lot of like forums that actually was posing this question to other people. And I saw some white people's answers. And I wrote down a few of them that were most common and some that I, some that I continuously kept seeing and I wanted to share with y'all today like when I tell you the things that I saw Kia the shit is laughable like one they're scared that with everything white people have done to us we hate them and we are just looking for a moment to extract revenge oh they think black people want revenge yeah So the second thing was black people are bigger, stronger, and more violent than whites. Third, we love to rape white women. Four, whites are scared of race mixing. Five, ignorance. Six, we look scary when we wear hoodies, do-rags, non-business clothing, saggy pants, etc. And lastly, our skin looks threatening. (laughs) There was definitely a lot more things that I saw. I just picked the most repetitive information to share today. These ideas are ones that I have heard before and I feel as though can be seen in today's society. And those fears play out in our society today to why black people are being murdered daily by white people. Just based off of the fact of how I look and the clothes I am wearing. Literally, the clothes I am fucking wearing. One of the statements that I found that was so triggering to me was the idea that black people, and I'm guessing they're focusing on black men loving to rape white women. And that concept, I have heard often. For me, I feel like the whole raping of white women, I think it stems from the Emmett Till case. Yeah. I actually went on some websites to see if the statistics exist to prove this point. Um, I went to rain.org and bjs.gov mm-hmm. and some more places, but I can't think of them off the top. But I would like to point out that I didn't find the statistics proving to that point. I'm guessing the data um, is not available for that information. But I did see that in the U.S., white women are raped the most. Then it's black women, Hispanic, and then other. I believe that's what it said, other. Um, I'm not sure what the other like categorized non-binary I guess that was the last thing I saw but to think about the fact 
of endless accounts of my ancestors, black women being raped and brutalized and brutally assaulted by white men, all white men. Yes. <laughs> I can feel as though that statement could actually be said that white men love to rape to rape black women. And we have proof shown in the pigment of our skin. Also, going back to the Willie Lynch letter, there's a statement in there that says both horse and nigger are good are no good to the economy in the wild and natural state. Both must be broken and tied together for orderly production. For orderly future, special and particular attention must be paid to the female and the youngest offspring. Both must be crossbred to produce a variety and division of labor. Crossbreeding niggas means taking so many drops of good white blood and putting them into as many nigger women as possible. Varying the drops by the various tones that you want. And letting them breed with each other until another circle of color appears as you desire. What this means is put the niggas and the horse in a breeding pot. Mix some asses and some good white blood and what do you get? You got a multitude of colors of ass backwards, unusual niggas running tied to backward ass, long headed mules, the one productive of itself and the other sterile, the one constant, the other dying. We keep the nigger constant for we may replace the mules for other tools. But mule and nigga tied to each other, neither knowing where the other came from and neither productive for itself, nor without each other. Which causes that divide in our community that we see today. Like colorism is a thing stem from the practices of slavery. They want tension and drama within the same racial groups so mm. that they cannot um, organize and create uprising that's why they want to keep racial groups divided and separate because if you come together you are more of a force together than you are separate we saw that in when they were creating racial divide initially between the white indentured servants and the black indentured servants and then once slavery was off the table and the whites were with the whites and the blacks were with the blacks, well, now we have to get deeper into the black community. Mm, yeah. How can we further separate them? What can we do? And that's when you create self-hate in your community. Which they don't even have to do. We do that by ourselves. Right, but it was taught, like you said, on the basis of colorism. And that light is better and dark is worse. The house slave versus the field slave mentality. Yeah, definitely. And what, which is seen to this day. Exactly. And another thing that got me was the fact that 
You are scared of me wearing do-rags, saggy pants, non-business attire, etc. It's funny to me how everything that we create is called ghetto and scary. And then you turn around and some white person has now added it to a house name like Gucci or Burberry. And it's fashion. Or a white person wears it like cornrows and call them Bodak braids or boxer braids. And now it's fashion. A great example of this is when Gucci made, remember when Gucci made that um, turtleneck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically they got backlash for it because it was considered blackface because the turtleneck comes all the way up to above your nose and around the turtleneck, like where your mouth would be, there were huge, like large red lips on it, which was seen in television shows and movies and it was propaganda to believe that black people look like monkeys. Mm-hmm. And then this company goes and apologizes and act like they didn't even know what they did was wrong. Yeah. Then you have Burberry who puts out hoodies that have nooses around them but the strings, they go and apologize and say they didn't know and move on. But you call that fashion. But a kid that is literally just wearing a black hoodie, walking home, eating Skittles, has now frightened you to death, and you murder him. It's crazy to me. Like, make it make sense. You're calling actual symbols that were were put into black people's lives to, to actually in- invoke fear, like a noose. Is put on a hoodie and called fashion, but yet and still, when I wear a hoodie, just a regular one, I'm scary. I'm the issue. Because of my skin, you're scared of me. Interesting. And nobody saw that shit before it made it. To production. It's not just one person creating these ads. There's an entire department of people that okayed this. And y'all think that it's just a fucking coincidence? We shouldn't be up in arms. We shouldn't be angry, upset, sad, nothing. Because we're no longer slaves and all of this other shit is a coincidence. Yeah, like... So when people are crying about the Gucci stores and the luxury brands being looted, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. Also, don't give a fuck about Target, Smitty. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't even wear designer shit. I'm not a designer, bitch. I don't give a fuck. Those fucking brands don't do shit for me and my people. So why would I be rushing out here to give them my money to make them rich? Which continuously gives them the power to treat us like shit. Why would I do that? 
Why are you out here killing each other over this shit? This materialistic shit. We're killing each other. They are killing us. And then we are sitting here allowing them to get into our psyche and implant all of this negative shit into us to where now we go and kill our brothers and sisters. And I'm not going to call it no fucking black on black crime because, bitch, that don't even make sense. It's just (laughs) fucking crime. And whether they want you to believe it or not, white people do kill white fucking people. Yep. Yep. We actually see it all the time on Criminal Ex- Minds, SEU. files, mm. all of it. So don't yep. let them Forensic sit, files. don't let them sway y'all away from what the fuck we're trying to do with this black on black crime shit. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. It makes no fucking sense. If you continuously only socialize and live within the proximity of one social group, then of course that's where all of your crime will be. It's literally just it, crime. Exactly. It's just classified as fucking crime. And I want us to stop doing that shit to each other. That's the shit that the media does. The propaganda that they Exactly. Show. The propaganda. Y'all allow them to push this shit on you. And you keep perpetuating the shit over and over and over and over. We come together at times like this and then a month from now, we're back to the same stupid ass shit that does not make sense. Yeah. That's why I just like, I don't want us to forget. That's why I brought up the Gucci thing and I am bringing up Burberry because I thought we was protesting Gucci. I thought that's what we was already doing before all this shit happened. Remember when Migos was saying we done with Gucci? Remember when, I don't know, uh, there was literally a laundry list of um, entertainers that was going like, we not messing with Gucci no more. Like, let us not forget. Because we don't want to have to repeat this shit no more. I don't think it's that we forget. I think it's still that slave mentality. In that we want the luxury items. We want the designer shit to keep up with them. Because that shit wasn't created for us. The ideas and the style of it all and the cultural aspects of it all is from our culture. But it wasn't created for us. It's our culture created for the white people. So I really want y'all to stop putting so much emphasis and importance on fucking stupid ass designer shit it does not matter until our people own some shit until our people have some fucking power and leverage within this fucking country all of that stupid ass shit that y'all are worried about it doesn't matter yeah and i think it also comes from moving from slavery into jim crow and then jim crow and the integration and then to present day Mm-hmm. While we are told that we're free, we're never treated as such. So maybe if I looked the part, maybe if I lived in another area away from black people, maybe if I mm-hmm. spoke differently, I will be treated as an equal, as an ally. But at the end of the day, they're fucking laughing. Like, no, you're still black. <laughs> And I think maybe that's the reason why we want to have 
the designer shit and we want to be a part of that industry. And I'm not saying that for every person because this can definitely be triggering to black people because if you want nice things, you want nice things. But I'm just saying the mindset of it to make sure that we're checking like, I don't just want the nice things to fit in. I want the nice things because I want them. And I feel like that's a different story. But some black people that I meet, they're wanting the nice things because they think that they're going to be accepted by white people because they have it. Since I'm showing a little this or that, it's going to identify me as somebody better. And once again, we're going from field slave to the house slave mentality. And then when we put more emphasis on our own black designers and make them luxury, then it wouldn't be so much shade to the fact that like, I'm not wearing Gucci because I'm wearing somebody else. It's like, let's put some respect on our own people's clothing. Put value into what our own people have been creating for us. Let's make that luxury. It will change the narrative. It will change the game. Let's love back on our own community. Because there is a bunch of black designers that are excellent and immaculate at what they do. And it is high end, baby. And I appreciate all of the people that have been creating these black owned business pages on Instagram. Like, I think that that shit is amazing. Like, it, it's making it easier for us to actually connect with black owned businesses so much easier. So there is no more excuses. It's no more, I can't find it. No, it's here. Once we put our money into their business, then their business becomes the houses of fashion. And then they become luxury. We're still looking for that acceptance now. I can understand looking for that acceptance when Jim Crow first started. You know, that transition out of slavery into us finally being able to possibly own some shit or possibly being able to do some shit. Well, since we have all of those previous decades of us not having an education, us not being property owners, us not being able to be live freely and openly with our families, all of that is still brewing inside of us. Although... We don't have the governing side of it. We still have it inside of us as a people. So it makes it hard to transition out of being very dependent on this one group of people for everything that you had and everything that you were to now wanting to be independent without education, without any skills, without anything. Yeah, the skill that you have is hard labor. Right. You can un- you can take the hard labor, but you don't have any means to barter. And, you know, you don't have any means to raise your price on shit because you're still looked at as beneath. So I can understand that, that slave mentality of acceptance, but we're so far removed from being slaves that now it makes no sense to want that acceptance because we have Black people who are wealthy. We have Black celebrities. We have Black politicians. We have Black people in every aspect of 
production in our country. So we have the means to be individuals, but for some reason we're scared. And I'm not going to say for some reason, because I do know why. As a, as, as a community, we were flourishing. We all know about Black Wall Street. We had our own doctor. We had our own hospital. We had our own schools. We had our own post office. We had everything. Just us. Just, yeah, just community. Just Black people. We were thriving. And like we said before, the white people look at it as a threat. And since their population is greater than ours, it's easier for them to regain that control. So what did they do? They went in and destroyed that entire fucking community. Successful Black people, a Black community thriving, and all of the shit was just taken like that because of jealousy. Yeah, but more than jealousy, it's a sense of fear. Yeah. Toni Morrison says... um, when we take away racism and white supremacy, what do white people have? Who are they? When we no longer need you and you become worthless, like in the Willie Lynch letter, make them always depend on you, always needing you. That fear is what holds them together. They would be divided having to now look at the differences of themselves, their nationality, their economics, their status. They would have to be, they would be weakened and crippled to not have something that holds them together as a group. Yeah, they're afraid of being the inferior race because they know that they don't hold any value because, like I said, when they took the Africans from their land to come over here and create this nation, they knew that they did not, as Europeans, they did not have the knowledge or the skills to be able to create the great nation that they wanted. They knew that our people had the knowledge and the skills to create industry in a sense. So instead of coming to Instead of going to Africa to learn about agriculture and to learn about industry and cultivation, they decided to take it. It was easier for them to steal it than to learn it and adapt it for their own land. Yeah. I read that a lot of the Europeans that came to America was actually the indentured servants in Europe. Um... And they used the concept over there to bring here and made it more brutal to control and double the profit, which is the reason why slavery is was created. And you wouldn't have been able to not pay people without turning them into slaves because they would have left. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not working for free. Right. There's only so much that you can manipulate a person into doing before you have to use force and control. It's just so sad. Oh, and I want to talk about the looting. We know for a fact that we have these extremists and these fucking anarchists that come in at times like this because they create, they crave like social unrest and they crave racial division. So they come in to stir the pot 
and create more division to incite race riot. They show up and they encourage these grief-stricken people to break into stores, loot, and whatever else, and then they just slip out of the crowd unseen. So what I want to say for our people, when we're protesting, we can't be easily swayed by these undercover white people who are coming into our communities while we are trying to peacefully protest and they are turning it into these violent riots. Mm, yeah. As well as the undercover undercover black people. Yes. Or cops or white people or Asians. Cause I've seen a lot of videos of a bunch of people. Um, if you really think about it though, the leaders that have fought for justice for us, their downfall wasn't at the hand of white people. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that there was the black person, brother or sister in their midst that allowed them to be vulnerable and open to be murdered by a white person or for the government to tap in on them. It's just like, dang, like that shit's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why I do appreciate the era that we're in now with social media. Like, like the fact that we have something that can counter the rhetoric of mainstream media and allow more people to be their own leaders, not just one person. It provokes a different type of change. It also gives us the ability to see something else instead of being spoon-fed the same shit over and over again that the media is portraying on all of their platforms. Like, the fact that I can change the narrative by just reposting something on my Instagram and somebody else can see it is amazing. The fact that the news has only been reporting the riots Yet and still, my Instagram has been reporting peaceful protests. It's crazy how the news gets that confused. But the sad part is that our justice system is not using primary fucking sources like video. Literally a personal account of that shit as a source of evidence to charge people with murder We're sitting here watching a fucking crime happen. Yet and still, it seems very difficult for people to get arrested for them. Or it takes us how many protests or how long does it take for us to finally get all four officers arrested? It shouldn't take that long. Literally, when the video goes up, literally, arrest. You ask the questions when you have them detained. Don't ask questions before they're arrested. No, let's figure it out. Do the same shit you do to black people. Literally arrest them. Tell them what the fuck they did. Hold them in custody. Have them sitting in jail for days, hours. And then decide to speak to them about the shit. Like, why do we seem to do things backwards when it comes to police and white people? 
have the same energy, sis. The same one you have for me, for my brother, for my sister, for my mother and my father. Because I know you have the capability of, to do it because you do it to black people all the time. And with black people, half the time, you don't have any fucking evidence or cause. But we are giving you evidence. Throwing the shit in your face. Literally sending it to you in a fucking email. And now you want to drag your feet. We are giving you videos. Primary sources. Please. We shouldn't have to ask so many times. Because we have a whole first person account of this officer sitting his fat ass knee on George Floyd's neck. For the duration of a video that we watched, we watched it happen. The man was talking, telling the police officer that he could not breathe, that these this man was on his neck, that they were going to kill him. We watched this happen. We watched him go into unconsciousness. And now we're going to all of a sudden sit here and act like we don't know what the fuck happened. We watched that man fucking die. And now somehow you're having a hard time with charging him with murder. And then you see the Asian cop who is sitting here defending it. But that's okay. Like race relations have been horrible in America forever. Let's not get that twisted. We are the generation that I hope will bring the change. Because, like I said, our experience with race relations and police brutality and discrimination and oppression, although we've known it's been there forever, ours started, from what I can remember, with Trayvon Martin. Because we weren't here in the 80s with Rodney King. We, didn't, we weren't able to see that. And I feel like we are a generation that's for the most part very open when it comes to creating change in this country and when it comes to having these tough conversations whether it's race sex sexuality whatever and although they told us the revolution would not be televised this shit is televised and we're watching it fucking play out in front of us and it's up to you whether you are going to be a catalyst for change or not and I will forever use any platform that I have to bring light to the celebration and equality of Black people. And period. And for Black people, stop getting on the internet telling other Black folk that they don't need to be out here burning stuff up or protesting or rioting. Stop fucking telling people how they can grieve or how they can mourn or how can they, they can express rage and anger and sadness when it comes to being an individual in this fucking country. Yeah. When it comes to having the right to live in this fucking country. Yeah, because it is not just black people being murdered. It's more. It's the injustice in the housing market. It's the injustice in the educational system. It's the injustice in employment and so much more. And we're also living in a very different time in a situation right now we have to take into account is that the unemployment rate 
is out of control due to a pandemic. All of this shit is happening and we're in a pandemic. Baby, we are mad about a list of shit. Take a fucking number. The unemployment rate is disgusting. The rate at which minorities are imprisoned is disgusting. The rate of infant mortality in birth mortality in black families is disgusting we want to talk about police killing black men but i don't think we're really ready to have the conversation about doctors in the healthcare system fucking killing black children and black women so if you're going to part your lips and call for peace and call for the silence of black people then you better be ready to also call for justice and call for this racist bullshit to end in this fucking country. Yes. Because if it doesn't, there will never be peace. Yes, friend. Y'all always love to chat about one-sided history. So how many times has peace been used to make changes in this country? Never. Please speak up. Because me speaking to you nice is not working. And then I start to think about how you want me to sit up here and you say you're scared of me because I'm bigger, stronger, and more violent than white people? But you have a president tweeting, when they're looting, we're shooting. And reminding every white person about their Second Amendment right. Like, they love to always talk about that fucking amendment. Like, there's not other amendments on there. But no, I'm the violent one. No, I'm defending myself. And then you have when we have the exonerated five were charged with raping and killing a white woman in Central Park. Trump took out an ad and I believe the Times saying, bring back the death penalty for those boys. Those were children. And bring back our police. And you say, I'm violent, baby. Violence is knocking at your fucking front door every day and i'm defending myself the language that white people use is fucking violent to describe us during the war on drugs and crime in america they describe black people as super predators the language that has been in our face consistently has been triggering. But I can appreciate the direct racism because the undercover racist shit is a lie. Like, what do y'all want? When you continuously beat someone down, what do you expect from them? You want them to become nice? You know what you're doing. Y'all really know what y'all are doing. Exactly. And I'm I'm glad you brought up the um like the undercover races cuz I screenshotted this post that I found on social media and it's a pyramid. And inside of the pyramid it has like different sayings and different words. So on top of the pyramid it says overt white supremacy and then it has a line and then on the bottom of the on the pyramid it says covert white supremacy 
So the overt white supremacy, which is socially unacceptable, this would be lynching, hate crimes, blackface, the N-word, swastikas, neo-Nazis, burning crosses, racist jokes, racial slurs, and the KKK. So that's overt supremacy. So then you have the covert white supremacy, and this is socially acceptable behavior. Calling the police on Black people, white silence, colorblindness, I don't see color, or I have Black friends, so I don't see, I don't see the difference between Black and white. White parents self-segregating neighborhoods and schools, Eurocentric curriculum, that's the falsification of history, like I said earlier, the white savior complex, spiritual bypassing, education funding from property taxes, discriminatory lending, that's when, you know, they made it virtually impossible for Black people to receive loans to buy housing. Yeah, that's what that is. Mass incarceration, we saw this with the Clintons in the 90s, and it's still happening today. Respectability politics, tone policing, racist mascots, not believing experiences of people of color, make America great again, blaming the victim, which would be blaming Black people, asking us why we're complaining, asking us why we're angry, why are you protesting, why are you rioting, what are you doing? Slavery was centuries ago. Why are you still mad? You don't sound black. Don't blame me. I never owned slaves. Bootstrap theory. School to prison pipeline. Police murdering people of color. Virtuous victim narrative. Higher infant and maternal mortality rates for black women of color. All lives matter racial profiling, denial of white privilege, prioritizing white voices as experts, treating kids of color as adults, inequitable health care, assuming good attentions are enough, not challenging racist jokes, cultural appropriation, Eurocentric beauty standards, anti-immigration policies, um, denial of racism, tokenism, English-only initiatives, self-appointed white ally, exceptionalism, fearing people of color, police brutality, fetishizing women of color, um, the celebration of Columbus Day, claiming reverse racism, weaponized whiteness, housing discrimination. These are covert examples of white supremacy and racism. So for those white people that say you're not racist, if you indulge in any of what I just read, which is a lot, then you are. If you're telling me some shit that you have to go through and trying to um, equate that with my issues with my blackness in this society, that is covert white supremacy. You're trying to silence my struggle. So it's a lot of work that needs to be done. We can't do it alone. But at this point, I don't know what else we can do. Because at this point, what haven't we done? We have so much more to unpack, but we're just going to go ahead and stop here for now. And in the next part, we'll be chatting about our own experiences with racism in this country and how it has affected us. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here the next time on another episode of Melanin Matters.